right. You guys ready for the word of God this morning? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, son. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, welcome to a birthing of Solid Rock Faith Center. That's why we're here, to plant a new church. Amen. 8.30 service, that's what it's all about. It's about us believing that there's more people in our community that need to be saved and that, that God would do it through us. When we started in, uh, wow, when we started in uh, 1989, we started with just Pastor Sue and our family and uh, one young girl that came from Bieber with us. And we just started going around going door to door, knocking on doors and passing out flyers and inviting people to church and uh, believing that people were just looking uh, for an excuse to go and worship God and that if you invited them they would come and it's powerful what happens when we reach out and so uh, as I said when the first Sunday we started this we, we didn't we're not doing a, a, a second service it makes it it's neat to have the option to be able to come to an early service when we have other things going it's good to have a service as an option but our goal is not just to create options so that I go about my life my goal is to say God how do I connect with you for what you want to do in and through my life amen and so when we see this, they say, man, we need to get busy. We need to fill this place up because there's people in El Dorado County that need to know the Lord. Amen? And they would come if we would ask them. I'm going to ask the ushers. They'll help me. And uh, we have the prayer cards. Did they set those out there? Did we get those? The Billy Graham prayer card, the black card. If you'll get enough of those that we can hand those out for the next four weeks up until the, or the, next, up until the Sunday before uh, Thanksgiving, we're going to be praying over these cards, and we're going to hand these out. And what we're going to be doing is asking you to fill these out and uh, then uh, give them. You're going to, there's places on there. We did it before in the area of when we did the one-to-one -one campaign several years ago. But the goal of uh, um, showing the movie on November 30th is that we're believing that the people that we're going to be praying for on the back of this card, there's a place you can put four or five names on here, are people that you are believing to see come to Christ. Somebody, whether it's a family member, a friend, a co-worker, somebody, and then in every service, we're going to be praying over them. We'll take some time this morning. We're going to pray over them because the Bible says that the harvest is plenty but the laborers are few, is what Jesus said. So he said, pray for laborers to go into the harvest. And this is what our faith is going to be. We're going to unite our faith together. This is what we're believing. We're believing that if we will pray for them and ask them, they will come. And they won't just come, but they will get saved. Amen? They would accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And so would you partner with us and do that? Amen. And so uh, just take a moment, and you have those cards if you don't have a pen or pencil. But then I, I want to ask you, bring these every week. Take these and bring these every week of people that you would invite, people that you would ask. And, and then we want to pray over them in every service. Keep them in your Bible and stuff. If your Bible is your phone, it's kind of hard to tuck it in your phone. But it, uh, <laughs> if, if you use something else or bring a notepad or bring something, but find a way that you remember to bring these with you. Take it home, put it up on your refrigerator. Remember to pray for them. And uh, that, that's our goal. I don't know about you. The Bible says that God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance and that's the reality God wants everybody God created heaven for humanity not for himself God didn't just create heaven so it'd be a cool place where he could hang out with a few peeps 
if that even applies to heaven. <laughs> but uh, with just a few people, that, that's not what he's after. He created heaven for all of his cre- His heart, the heart of God is towards every person. Every person you see on the street, every person you see when you go to the store, every person you see driving down the freeway, going to work, when you see those cars at night and you're driving and just headlights, solid going both ways. When we first moved here from Bieber, that little town of 500 where we were pastoring, and I started driving up, the, up and down the road at different times of the day, I was convinced that people were paid to drive on the roads. Because there couldn't be that many people out at every hour of day and night driving both ways on the freeway. But that's how many people there are just in our region and in our area. There are hundreds and thousands. In fact, we have a couple of million people in the greater Sacramento region. And, and Sean has referenced it before. There are over 100,000 people in El Dorado County who don't even know Christ. If you take the church uh, attendance and population, we we have over 100,000 people just right here in our county that don't know the Lord, that need Christ in their life. Amen? And my Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. So when we engage with him, we believe with him, great things happen. Father, we come this morning and we thank you so much for the precious gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, you commissioned us, go into all the world, And preach the gospel, the gospel of reconciliation that man is no longer alienated, separated, or or cut off from relationship with their heavenly father. But through you, through your life that we remember today, the blood that you shed that we remember today, through your life and your sacrifice, the father came into this earth to reconcile the word to himself. Father, we pray over our friends and our family right now. Just while, while I'm praying, you begin to pray over them. Call them name out father we call them saved in the name of jesus lord we believe that right now your holy spirit is working upon their hearts and lives. we believe father that you're orchestrating people to come across their path that every day somebody's going to come across their path that every day in some way there, there, there's going to be j- j- just that prod just that that, that 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 little initiation from you by your spirit and they're going to come in the real life wait a minute god is trying to speak to my heart god is trying to get my attention everywhere I go it seems like I'm coming in contact with somebody there's somebody asking me something about the Lord how's my relationship somebody tells me they're praying for me somebody tells me that I've been on their heart father I thank you that you're beginning to move right now in every one of these people's lives it is your will your word boldly declares you are not willing that any would perish, but all would come to repent so Lord this morning we pray and father we thank you we're going to be laborers but God we need other labor some of our friends and our family are 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 away off lord they may not the people we put on this list may not even be able to come to this service but father we believe that we can call them encouraged to go to church wherever they live they may live in another state another town another region father but we could tell them we are praying for you would you go to church on sunday and we believe that they would go on sunday the 30th father and it would be a thanksgiving harvest that truly we wouldn't just be thankful for small things but we'd be thankful for eternal things father great things that you would be doing so we claim these souls right now we thank you that you're working lord we're going to be intercessors on their behalf we're 
going to pray. We're going to intercede for them. We're not just going to be caught up in our own lives, but we're going to take the exhortation of your word and we're going to look unto the needs of others as well. We're not just going to be concerned about our own ways and our own doings, but we're going to let you move through us. And Father, use us to be a labor in the harvest field for somebody else. We need somebody to come across the path of these that we're praying for, of these that we put on the list. But God, we need to be willing and open and obedient to be the one who speaks that word to a person in due season that you would send across our path. Somebody else is praying for them. Every person we meet is related to somebody, has somebody that cares about them, loves them, and wants to see your goodness for their lives. So Father, we say yes to you to be used by you. And we thank you, Lord. We're going to believe for a great harvest and for a great increase for your glory and for your kingdom. Father, not for increase in numbers, but so hell would be plundered and heaven would be populated and people would know the love and the grace and the mercy that we sing about, Father. They wouldn't be outside of it, but they would be, Father, wrapped up in it in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Amen. Praise the Lord. So keep those and, and write the names down that you would have, that the Lord would have you to bring uh, to those services and uh, to that service. And uh, yeah, and that too. Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, let me just say this on uh, uh, coming up for uh, sweet. Whatever that is, kill it. Amen. Um, that um, starting this Tuesday, and we went down, and it challenged me in this area because it's easy for us to say, well, we're, we're not a very uh, ethnically diverse community. And that really is true. I think there's, there's a, uh, we, we have a large Hispanic community in our community, but, but as far as we don't have, if you go to Sacramento in, in 2010, uh, the U.S. News and World Report article was that Sacramento is the most ethnically diverse city in America, the Sacramento region, whether it is the Hmong population, the Korean or Asian population, the, the Ukrainian, there's a huge Russian and Ukrainian population, thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands in that area. Uh, the African-American and uh, Hispanic as well. And even in that area, what we would call uh, just the white population, it, it, it is so ethnically diverse that it's not a, a population where Caucasian or that area is, is the majority. We, the, the, that part of the ethnic culture is not the majority. And so it's an amazing place. But how many know that's what heaven is supposed to look like? And that's a, the reason about that. And so our city pastors, we've gotten together with Pastor Francis. We're just starting to look at Is this just an accident or is God trying to show us a city that looks like heaven? Is it just an accident that the Sacramento region is that ethnically diverse and, and, and has that much uh, uh, of every population and, uh, and nation involved in it? Or is it a chance that we could show something? And so pastors and churches are coming together in ways of crossing borders and reconciliation and that and building bridges that have, that, that have been kind of a social no-no. Amen, and people have. And it's said about the church on Sunday morning that the most racially divided uh, time on, on, uh, in our nation is the Sunday morning hour. And a lot of times it's by culture. We just had a conference talking about it. It's by culture that people, by culture, we go, we gravitate to our own cultures and stuff. And part of that is the same thing is that we're trained and many times we expect people to come to us. 
and we always thank him. Pastor Sherwood Carson, before he passed away, he, he, uh, Pastor Francis Infusa was asking him, say, hey, what could we do? Uh, how, how can we help? And he just said, well, I always have this one question. How come we are always coming to you? How come the black community always comes to the white church? How come these other peoples? How come we always want people to come to when do we ever go? When do you ever come to us? Because the distance between you and me is the same both ways. Amen. How many ever had a, I, I had a, 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 a on my dad's side, my grandmother and my step grandfather on my dad's side were always saying, when are you going to come to see us? And I would always tell them, especially as I got older, I would tell them, hey, you know, the road travels both ways. Amen? And how many have had that experience with the road? You never come to see me. I said, dude, I've never heard you knock on my door. You know, it's that, it's that two-way street. It's kind of like that. Well, pastor, you never come visit me. You have never been to my house. Okay, then it got real quiet right there. <laughs> All right, but you're the pastor. I'm still a person. Amen. And, and so it's so saying to people, oh, well, that's a taboo. I don't go there. But w- how many know we have all these stigmas that we just need to break down? So on Tuesday nights, it's going to be a great time. And we're going to do eight weeks of this. And then going into January, we're going to invite you to come and be a part. The cool thing about church, you don't have to be a part of anything. You just flake out and do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> but... <to laughs> But in this area, what we're going to do is that everybody will get a book on Tuesday nights. We have a case of these. We have 72 books. They're free. We're going to give them out. You do have to come, and uh, Matt Battershell bought them for us, bless his heart, and uh, so uh, to be handed out. And so it's going to be a great time on Tuesday night. Let me read something to you out of this as far as we get into the part of this as we get into the message this morning. And Luke, were you able to get that video? Did that work? Okay, we'll play that here in just a second, son. And, uh, but it says this, and there's some information in there in your bulletin that is about this. If you want to look in your bulletin, it says Paul declared that Jesus eradicated all barriers that man likes to erect. In Jesus Christ, there's no room for Greek and Jew, which is racial distinction, barbarian, Scythian, cultural distinction, bond and free, social distinction, male and female, sexual distinction, but Christ is all in all. How many of you know that in us, we have, it's more than just the color of our skin or our ethnic background. There are all kinds of distinctions and separations that we make. So to have a city that looks like heaven, whether it is cultural, whether it is racial, whether it is social, in, in, in economic status or different things, or whether it is sexual. Amen. It doesn't matter. I share the story that uh, uh, two years ago when we were on vacation, I asked Janet Frustel to do the Tuesday night service. And so coming in, and so she teaches. I love when Sister Janet teaches. Amen. Amen. And the fireball, she's fun. And so as a pastor, I asked her to teach on our behalf, teach the Bible class on our behalf, and do the Tuesday night service. So she is under my authority. How many understand that as a pastor? So I set her there. She's operating under my authority. Well, we had a gentleman who came to visit the church. And coming in, his first time here, he came on a a midweek service to visit. And so coming in, she thought she was just getting up to do something. But when she started to open the Bible and preach, he just got up and walked out. And then he sent a nasty email to the church directly to me and he was very upset that I would allow a woman to have authority over men I said first of all she did not have authority she is under authority and she's doing exactly what I asked her to do and we are flowing that contact so we banter back and forth and I said God bless you stay in your ignorance and we hope you never come back amen (laughs) some people you need to say that bye I'm not going to try to reconcile with you amen not on that but see what what is that 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 is a sexual prejudice 
And we forget that on the day of Pentecost, when God poured out His Spirit, in that upper room was everybody, male and female. Every social distinction was there. He, he took away the families. There is no family hierarchical distinction. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus' brothers were there. So, so there was no sacred bloodline connected to Him. Everybody was on a flat line. And when God poured out His best, His Spirit on all flesh, the highest thing God could give to anybody, is himself and so God gave himself to everyone and poured himself out equally and said he would what he said on the last day says God I will pour my spirit out on all flesh your sons and your daughter on your handmaiden and on your bond they will all the old and the young everybody equally will receive of my spirit so God took all the distinctions away no matter whether they are ethnic no matter whether they are cultural no matter whether they are social no matter whether they are sexual amen and so that's what we want to learn to do but for us sometimes we have to challenge we may think man i don't have a prejudice bone in my body okay we'll see amen <laughs> amen so we want to do that and uh, so that's coming up so we're excited about that we you have your bibles open up to luke chapter 19 and let me just encourage you again, get involved in some way, in some capacity. Get involved in serving and, uh, and making things happen. As Sean said uh, during the announcements, we have uh, 11 tickets left for the dinner. So many have gotten involved in helping and reaching out. And it's amazing. I wrote this down for me. This is the challenge for me. I never want the world by conscience or conviction to give, to outgive my giving by faith. What does that mean? You can share needs. You can put people up. And people just by conscience or conviction just well. So when we go to our community and the community is saying, hey, you know what? I'll give this. I'll donate. That's a great cause. That, that, that's a worthwhile cause. I'll give to that. They're, they're not giving by faith. They're giving out a man that I'm convicted about that. I should do something about that. I want my giving by faith to be greater than somebody else's giving by conscience. I know what I'm saying. I just might, God, I believe you want to do something great through me. And then many times people ask questions just around tithing and things like that. I love the fact about the tithe. The thing that's cool about the tithe is God put everybody on equal level. Amen. Everybody gets the same thing. It doesn't matter if you make $100 a week or you make a million dollars a week. The tithe is equal. Amen. If you made a million dollars a week and you had to give away 10% of your million, you had to give $100,000. How many know $100,000 to a millionaire is no more significant than $10 to the person that has $100? Are we doing all right? But somewhere $100,000 sounds more. <laughs> Only if you're covetous. Are we doing all right? All right. So that's, we've already taken the offering. We're not taking another one. I'm just saying, but in giving and how we work and how we do, and some of that is, is how we challenge ourselves, no matter what it is or how we view things. Luke chapter 19, and uh, this morning, I just want to challenge us to take the risk of being involved. Get involved and give and help and make a difference some way in somebody's life. And the other part about our giving, because of that, we actually have a facility to hold an event like this. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So uh, Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 11. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. 
And uh, if you have your Bible, you could do that. But isn't that amazing? Everybody thinks the kingdom of God's coming right now. You know when it's coming? When it's ready. I mean, let me tell you when the Lord's coming back at the appointed time. The disciples in Acts chapter 1, they asked the Lord, and, and, and they said, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom at this time? Jesus said, it's not for you to know. That's in the Father's hand, at the appointed time. Galatians says that at the, in the fullness of times and at the appointed time, God sent his son. So God sent him the first time at the appointed time, and he's going to send him the next time at the appointed time. Amen? That's when it's always going to come, at God's appointed time. He set this thing in motion. We're just on the scene for our part, praise the Lord. And so they wanted to know, so he tried to explain it to them because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately therefore he said a certain nobleman so he's illustrating how the kingdom of God worked went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and return so he called ten of his servants delivered to them ten minas and said to them do business till I come everybody say do business till I come Okay, so look at the instruction. Do business till I come. What was one of the things that Jesus said when he was 12 and in the temple with the lawyers and Pharisees and his parents found him and they were concerned about them? And he said, don't you know, I must be about what? My father's business. So I submit to you this morning that if we are children of God and we pray our father which art in heaven and we have been adopted into the family of God, that in some degree we must be involved in the family business. That we must be about our Father's business. We must be connected. For Jesus to say, I'm not here to do my will, but to do the will of the Father. And if we are grafted into Him, if we are joint heirs with Him, then that same outlook, that same application applies to you and me. That the moment I name myself a Christian, a Christ-like one, one who looks like, acts like, and represents Christ in the earth as if He was here Himself. That's really what Christian means. It's not just, it doesn't mean you were born in America. Amen. And uh, from that standpoint. But it means that that's how we represent him. So he says, the command here is do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him and said, we will not have this man reign over you. How many were hearing that today that our world doesn't want to have anything to do with Christ? We live in that world today. They don't want anything to do with Christ. And so today, something interesting is happening. Today is actually National Stake Stand Together Sunday. Standing together. And what we're standing together, as people say, well, you didn't even, how many knew there was no National Standing Together Sunday today? Okay. So, or you didn't know, I mean, like that. But what that means is that what happened, how many have heard what happened in Houston, Texas? Anybody aware of what happened in Houston, Texas? Houston, Texas, what happened in Houston, Texas is that they are promoting, because they have a lesbian mayor, the first outly, it's okay to say she's a lesbian, she promotes it outward publicly, very overt in promoting that. And so that's what she declares she is, so I'm not picking on her, amen? And so from that standpoint. So with that, what they're passing is gender-neutral public bathrooms. And what they're mandating is, is that if there's gender-neutral public bathroom, then in the local church, your bathrooms have to be gender-neutral. Now, fortunately, in our church, we have single-stall bathrooms. So it's not a big deal for us because nobody else of another gender will come in and sit down next to you. 
But if we expand, our goal is down the, the, the hallway down here is to expand into three-stall bathroom. I don't know about you. I'm not comfortable with women coming in the bathroom while I'm in there, no matter what they think their orientation is. I'm, and I know none of you women would be comfortable with some guy coming in the bathroom with you saying, hey, this. And so the church took a stand to say, I'm sorry, we are against that and speaking out on this and based on biblical principles and stand. And so therefore, churches were uh, required in, in their sermons, the pastor's sermons were subpoenaed and they're required, they're being sued and that. And so the nation is coming together and the Church of America is coming together to take a stand. But here's the thing that we have to remember is that if we do not take a stand, Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, Jesus said this. These are not in your notes. It's just a little bypass right here. That, that, that in this area of doing the business and doing the kingdom and what we're about and people saying we don't want that man to rule over us. This is the direction that we want to go. Here's what has happened. Because the church has pulled back saying, you know, that's a controversial issue. I really don't want to do that. I just want to walk in love. I just want to be nice. And so church society, the church has become super casual. Casual in our approach, casual in our witness. You know, everybody wants to be a silent witness. Nobody actually wants to use words to witness today. My life is a witness. Okay, um, moving right along. Um, but in that, what you don't, and I love what little Lizzie said last week. She said the church has been reluctant to take territory. And so whatever you don't take, the enemy is glad to take and to use. And so what's been happening is we have been seeing what are called agendas advancing and the church reclining. The church keeps moving back further and further and further. And now here's what's happened. We thought, oh, well, they'll leave us alone. Oh, we don't want to do this. We don't want to do it. Okay, now you find out, oh, oh no, it is for, it's, it, there's a force behind this. There's an aggression behind this. And so now it is forcefully advanced. And if we don't stand, they don't stop. Amen. And that's what uh, that's part of what we don't understand. It is amazing. And I shared it with John Muncy. But if you go back, there, there's so many different uh, movies out and different things. And I found one on Netflix a while back and I watched it. It's a very good movie, but it was about something that happened in the 1600s and that and uh, uh, on and, 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 and an assault on Vienna. And it was this whole thing, and the whole goal was of the Muslim armies coming. And if you study Muhammadism and that, it is not a peaceful religion, guys. It's just not. And so that attack, and here's what we don't understand, that in that attack, they push, and if you don't push back, they keep taking. So they push you off the spot, and if you don't push back harder, then they keep taking. We don't understand why Israel responds the way they respond. Because they understand the culture. Western civilization does not understand Middle Eastern culture. And so as a result, we think we're going to go in there. We're going to create a democracy. You go back and read your history. That is a city of war and strife and turmoil throughout the history of every civilization that has ever lived there. 
It, it is a ruling, and it's a warring class, and it's always just overthrowing stuff. It's crazy. And, and so, but what we don't advance and what we don't take territory on, Jesus said in Matthew 11 and verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist to now, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force, meaning that God's kingdom must forcefully advance. You can't always be nice and preach the gospel, which is why Jesus said, don't think that I came to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword, and I came to bring division. Amen? And what means is that if you're going to stand for me, there's going to be people that aren't going to be excited that you're employed by me, that you're engaged with me. And he even went as far to say this, and the enemies will be those of your own household. And so if, if you're not going to always get your family. And so I'm, we're 100% family, but if you don't understand... Just being family doesn't mean everybody in your family is going to believe the way you believe, agree with you. Sometimes the biggest hell on earth is in the four walls that you live in called home. Amen. Amen. And so how do I do? Okay, well, where do I stand? Well, if I back up, and so if you back up your stand, how many have ever noticed that evil never compromises? Hell never, there's no compromise in the devil. The Bible says this, the devil's already made his sworn intention. Watch this. Jesus said you cast a devil out of a man. He goes around and runs and warms around in dry places. And then he declares his sworn intention, I will return. And he comes back seven times stronger. Are we doing all right this morning? And so today, we just want to play this and share with you because it illustrates with what we're going and ties in with what we're talking about this morning. Go ahead, guys. supporting the Houston Equal Rights Ordinance, or HERO. The law provides protections, including the right to use men or women's bathrooms, depending on which gender you identify with. The city of Houston accused of ordering pastors to turn over their sermons. You, you felt like there was a problem with having these gender-neutral bathrooms, which would allow men to go into women's restrooms, and now you're being punished for taking a stance on that? This is all a result of the, the basic voting rights of the citizens being violated because we've turned in more than double the amount of signatures required to put this on a referendum vote. We're not going to yield or bow to the sort of government demanding and violating our First Amendment rights, however. The city of Houston has subpoenaed these five pastors. They're asking for 17 different categories of information including text messages between their congregation members and the pastor, and including the pastor's sermons on issues like homosexuality, gender identity, or the mayor. And these have no relevance to whether there is enough signatures on the petition to put this issue on the ballot. And in addition, as you noted, it violates the First Amendment rights of these pastors. Pastor Wynn, I want to start with you because you escaped the tyranny of communism in Vietnam, who got out of that country uh, when you were literally escaping for your life. When you came to America, did you ever think that the government of the United States 
acting through one of its mayors, would ask you to cough up your sermons so that they could approve them. Never in my entire world dream that uh, it's happened to, to us here in America. Well, the pastors of Houston are not hiding the light, they are standing and speaking. And every one of us is standing in unity with them. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, guys. Uh, if you don't stand, and there will be, there'll be churches all across America who say, you know what, I don't want to touch that issue. Okay, well, you don't have to touch it. Just change your bathrooms. Just let things happen. Because if you think if you don't get involved, if you don't speak, if you don't stand, it won't happen. Let me say it like this. Even where we're praying on, the, on prayer cards for people to be saved, for us to pray and think somebody else is going to lead your family to the Lord or pray for people or reach out or use God to use somebody else for you, it isn't going to happen. Everybody has to be engaged. Jesus came and he gave a commission to everybody and he gave them the ability and, and he empowered them to do business till he come. So we have to be involved in kingdom business. Amen? It just is so important that we do that and to take a stand and to speak up. How many know what Tuesday is? Election day, yes. <laughs> We're, oh, okay. <laughs> We're supposed to be voting this Tuesday, amen, and being involved in the process. But when 38% of the church or 40% of the church doesn't vote, or I, I think it's less, I think it's only about 40% of the church that does vote, and about 60% of Christians don't vote, and then we complain about the agenda. It's not that hard just to go punch a couple holes in something to take some time out. If you don't have time, you can get an absentee ballot. You can do whatever, but to be engaged. How many know what I'm saying? I know we're being really practical. We're talking about real issues. We don't feel real spiritual this morning. But this is more spiritual than what you think is spiritual. Amen. So look at the cover of your outline, if you would, with me, please. And let, let me finish reading a little bit of this. Do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him. Verse 14, saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was when he had returned, having received the kingdom. Then he commanded, everybody say commanded. Then he commanded these servants to whom he had given. Now, let me just say this again. Jesus is illustrating the kingdom of God and himself. Amen. Amina there at the time this Bible was written was 64. It was referenced to equal to $64,000 in our economy, which would probably be more than that today. But it was a substantial amount to do business. So he given the money to be called to him that he might know how each, how much every man had gained by trading. Everybody say gained. He called for them to give an account to see how much each one had gained by trading or being involved in business. Because he told them, do business till I come. Then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, well done, good servant. Because you were faithful, everybody say faithful. In a very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came saying, Master, your mina earned five minas. Likewise, he said to them, you also be over five cities. And another came saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept. Everybody say kept. Yes. Now what? Which I have kept, put away in a handkerchief. For I 
feared you because you are an austere man. You collected what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have received it with interest? So what God has given to us of his life, of his investment into our hand, he expecting something back than just what we have received. It is not enough for us just to be saved, just for me to take care of myself. People say today, you know what, I'm saved, I'm just working on me, and da-da-da-da-da, and just me. And when the Lord comes, I'm just going to give Jesus my life. How many know that's not what he is illustrating here? What he's given to us is not just so we can give him back exactly what he gave, but the Lord is expecting increase. And so it comes down to us to do our own type of biblical interpretation and application. There are things that I'm doing in, the, in, in my Bible study class for a school of ministry is on the inductive Bible study uh, 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 process of, of, of studying the Bible. It is observation, interpretation, and application. Inductive Bible study is observation, observe what's in the text, uh, interpret the text in the right context, and then make application of the text yourself. So what I'm preaching to you today, we're reading it, here's the observation. Then you're going to have to determine how you interpret it, that towards your life, and what application is it towards your life. You can say, well, that's a parable, that doesn't apply to me. God will not hold me accountable. I choose to live my life being fully accountable to the words in red in my Bible. Amen? And so with that, I want to be accountable to God. And so he said to those who stood by him, take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. For I say to you, to everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. That's a brutal statement. I told Mike before church, I said, man, the Bible is kind of brutal. God says, hey, these people didn't want me to rule over them. And when man rejects God, God said, there'll be a day that everybody will give an account. Amen? Let me go through our outline quick. This is going to be very fast. We have 12 minutes. <laughs> Amen. The key to this passage is this. Here's the key. The title of this is, Master, here is your mina. Master, here is your mina. Verse 12. Which I have kept away in a handkerchief. The abundant life of Christ was not given to be held safe in safekeeping for his return, but invested, spent, and used to its full potential put at risk through for reward through the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, you're going to receive power is going to come upon you to be my witness. You're going to be enabled. He's given us what we need. We were, <laughs> excuse me, never meant to live a safe life for Christ. A life without risk is a life void of reward. All of life involves risk if it is being truly lived. If you have a retirement account and, and that in any way and, and you're invested in some type of retirement account, your money is at risk for the sake of increase and in reward. It has to be. 
in order for there to be reward. There's an areas where I just change in, 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 on my personal part and, and I pull mine out because I, I, I don't feel real comfortable having everything in mutual funds and in the stock market. So I've made some change on mine. I'm not comfortable there, but I have to decide where else if, if, if I don't find another way to put it for increase or to invest it, then it's not going to grow without the risk of investment. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So there has to be that element to that, or there will be no reward. Think about it. What is it? Risk of pain, failure, rejection, abandonment, and uh, loss. But to live life without the risk of life is to merely exist in a false sense of security, shrouded in fear, and to never experience the fullness that life has to offer to those who will brave the risk. People have gotten involved before. Pastor, I've been involved before. You don't understand. People use me. People abuse me. Good. That's the risk. But you can't do life without risk and not be involved. Over the years of pastoring, we have people who come to church, people who've been in other churches, people who got involved in church. I got involved. They took advantage of me. They lied about me. They talked about me. Well, who cares? I think I told Austin the other day, or yesterday I was driving, I was talking to him on the phone, and I said, I was cracking jokes and, and laughing at myself. And he goes, you crack yourself up. I said, yes, I do. I said, you might as well laugh at yourself because everybody around you is laughing at you anyway. So join the party, amen? Hallelujah. We take ourselves way too seriously. Praise the Lord. So look inside. There has to be that risk. Once we've received him as our life, he lives in us to make us a living expression of himself. When the Lord said, he says, hey, do business till I come. Listen to what he said. Do business on my behalf. I'm empowering you. I'm giving you what you need. Here's your investment capital. I've given you everything. Now do business on my behalf. And when I come, not only will I receive, but I will reward you. So for your faith, they, those that invested and got involved in doing the business, it's not just that God got the increase, but they also got the reward. Are you listening to me? That's how it works in the kingdom of God. Jesus lived his life at risk for us for the reward of our redemption. In John 10, 10, he said, I have come that you might have life to its fullest, to know and experience life and to experience, live and enjoy all that the original creator had in mind for you and designed for you, but it will involve some risk to see somebody come to Christ. You just got to put yourself out there and pray to be used by God. You got to believe, man, I feel like God wants me to go talk to that person. I feel like God, but, well, what if I go and they reject me? What if I ask them to pray and they don't do it? I find out most of the time, most people as a whole are nice. They're just nice. We're going into Costco yesterday, and, and this guy has went, they're selling those, you know, those ladders that move and do everything and prop, you know, the utility ladder thing, the little mini magic ladder, whatever. And so this, this little old gentleman's out there, and I'm looking, how's that guy going to get that in his car? And Stephanie's standing there and his wife, and he's like looking at it all over. Well, they've got them lighter. They weigh about 30 pounds now. And they used to be super heavy. So I pop up and go, man, are those really heavy? And we just start talking. And he go, what are you doing? Why are you talking to me? He just start, we just start talking. And then we're just joking around about it, stuff like that. And I go, yeah, look at her. She's looking and thinking all the tasks that you have to do with it. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And so we laughed and went on. And so I'm just saying you can go up and casually engage. You can talk. Most people are open to engagement. 
But you have to risk it. Well, I would never just walk up and start talking to anybody. Why not? I'm afraid. Okay, you're going to either live. Listen to what he said. Here's your Mina. I was afraid, so I've kept it shrouded in my fear. Stay with me. Church life in Christ was never intended to be a group of individuals living out their lives for him, shut away with themselves, and just, just holding on to their mina, waiting for his return. But living by putting it all at risk through connection or being engaged. And that's part of it. The church is where we are. What's happening in Houston is because the church has moved out of engagement, out of being at risk, and now the enemy is forcefully advancing. Jesus did not allow his disciples to live like that in the beginning, and he is not about to allow us to live with that false sense of safety, hiding, shut up, and closed in, shrouded by fear. In John 20, I don't have time to read it, but Jesus appears unto his disciples in the upper a room where they are hiding for fear and he says hey peace be unto you not fear but peace be to you and now receive the holy spirit in the same way the father sent me i'm now sending you so he refused to allow them to stay shrouded up in fear and then he compelled them and shoved them out into the harvest. In Acts 22, verses 1 through 14, the day of Pentecost, something amazing happened. They are no longer hiding, shrouded in fear. They are now emboldened with something from on high. God has kept his promise and come to them and in them and is now flowing through them. There is no longer the fear of risk. And I don't have time to read the quote to you from uh, Ed Stanley Jones, but it's powerful about what happened on the day of Pentecost, and we'll pick it up next time. In Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, something else amazing is discovered. If you read it, it says that the, the, the number of disciples began to multiply, and as they multiplied, they began to come aware of needs and things were going on. And so through connection, some things began to happen, and now people had to get engaged or else problems were going to blow the whole thing up. So connection is the body of Christ. The body of Christ is for connection. Go with me to Romans. I'll read one verse. Romans chapter 12 and verse 5. Bill, if you'll come back to the keyboard, please. Romans chapter 12 and verse 5. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Everybody look at me just for a moment. There's no such thing as individual Christianity. There's no such thing as pulling apart. When people say, well, do you go to church? No, I just, you know, I just worship God for myself, by myself. I go out in the woods. You know, I do this. I can worship God anywhere. I don't have to be connected. I don't have to be a part of something corporate or organized that's kind of like weird did did your hand get up and say that today because that old joke of a guy woke up in the middle of the night and his hand was like going like this all over the place he goes what are you doing well the thumb goes the fingers and I got together and we decided we weren't sleepy (laughs) you know if you're if something in your body starts going like this you want to find out how come it's not working in agreement and harmony and symphony with the rest of your body not doing independent, amen? I'm glad your arm just didn't say, you know what, you go to church, I'm kind of like hanging here today. You know, we did, we raked the leaves yesterday and stuff, but, you know, I'm sore. Did you just like, ah, take me out and leave me here today, amen? 
We're made for connection. We need each other, and we need to be connected to one another for a variety of reasons and purpose. You've heard us talk about care groups coming up, and we need to connect, and we're going to be building these and structuring these. Care groups form the first step of connection to work to maintain healthy connection with the body of Christ. What comes out of connection is the next thing. Once you're connected with somebody, you become aware of certain things. That's what happened in Acts chapter 6. They were connected and became aware of necessities. Being aware of the needs within the body of Christ is a part of our connection. Connection produces awareness. Being aware of when someone is missing and reaching out in love to offer strength, encouragement, and support. Being aware of the needs within our family allows us to render love and assistance and support in many different ways. They said in Acts chapter 6, hey, there are those that are being missed in the, the dispersion. They became aware of the need. So when you have connection, you have awareness. The next thing you become aware of is that, hey, through our connection, we have resource. Because connection produces awareness, we can then move to utilize the resources we have through connection, which was Sean was saying about the offering this morning. Because we come together and we share and we give, we have resource that can meet needs that we're aware of. And so we, through connection, render aid and assistance to one another in love. Sometimes the greatest resource we have is just caring one for another. And because we are connected and aware, we are able to do just that. But there's the risk of waste. What I mean by that. The risk of waste. Well, they're wasting the resource. They're abusing the resource. They're ungrateful for what we did for them. But if we are willing, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to risk it, God can do great things. Amen? And then encouragement. Think about it. Encouragement is a natural byproduct of connection, awareness, and resource. Everyone is encouraged when they know they are not alone. How many would agree? When you know you're not alone, you're encouraged. I know people I, I read with the fire and people going through the fire. and People were encouraged to know that they're getting texts, they're getting emails. They're getting, Are you doing all right? Do you need any? So other people opened up homes, people going through situations, whether it is tragedy, people going through a family issue in a hospital, somebody just having a baby and somebody bringing a meal. I mean, no, that's encouraging. And, and, and even the fact that they didn't need you to do it, the fact that you were aware they had a situation, that you're connected with them, there's an awareness, and you offered resource, brought encouragement. And the body was edified in love. Amen? And so everything happens when we do that. We're connected to a loving community that truly wants to be aware of the needs in their lives so they can come together with the resource of community rendering aid and assistance. The only problem is the risk that we have to take. The question we ask, are we willing to be forced out? That's what Jesus did. He forced them out. That's what I'm talking about, this service. Okay, we can either do a convenient service or we can plan a new church. We, we can either just make Sunday morning a convenient time to come so we can get out early and go on about our day. Or we can go, hey, what an opportunity to grow the kingdom of God, to be engaged in business, do business till I come. Amen? And so there you have the risk of problems, conflicts, contentions, challenges, and every other risk that comes with connection. But without connection and risk, there's no reward of investment. Are you with me this morning? Many today avoid the connection of risk factors because of the pain they experienced in their past. 
Let me just say, I'm sorry if you were hurt. I'm sorry if you were dropped. I'm sorry if leaders in your past hurt you. I'm sorry if I hurt you. I'm sorry if somebody's offended you. Come on. But we can't. We're either going to close ourselves off or we're going to take the risk. Amen. Amen. All I can tell you is God is bigger than your pain and more than able to heal any wound you may have. Without connection, we never experience the awareness of what we have to offer those around us to aid and assist them through Christ. Resources will go unused, needs unmet, lives unchanged, and unencouraged. The safest place to live, guys, is in the upper room with our fears, away from the crowds and away from the risk. Waiting for the day when we can offer back to the Lord our personal gift of life from Him, which we kept wrapped in the handkerchief shroud of our fears. Or we can kick down the door. I'm ready to kick some doors down you. Amen? We can kick down the door, be filled with the promise of heaven, break free from the fear through the power He has given, and risk it all for the glory of God. See, this morning I don't have to give an altar call for people to get saved. We're all family. We all love the Lord. The question is, are we going to do business? Are we going to do business? Are we just going to do church as usual? Are we going to walk in, walk out, just do? And this is what we call kingdom business, just coming here one hour and a half, one day a week or something, and then going on. Are we going to be involved in business? Kick down the door. Be filled with the promise of heaven. Break free from the fear through the power he has given and risk it all for the glory of God. Why? To give back what he entrusted to us with increase. Who said, Pastor, why are you like God? I, I'm aware of the gift of life God has given back to me. I want to, I, I don't know what it means. I'm, all these years I've still been trying to figure out. I'm still right today trying to figure out what does it mean to live and serve God in my life. But I want to give this life back with something connected to it of increase for his glory. Amen. He gave his glory for me. I want to live to glorify him. There's the potential for increase in your life, but it will take the risk that begins with trusting God and stepping outside of the upper room. So my question to each one of you this morning is, what is in you? Last week we heard Jenny Williamson. There was a courage house in her. What's in you? What's in you? A ministry, a Lord's gym, a church, a shelter to those in need, or something else that will take a risk to see the glory of God. So that you end your life with something to offer back to God. Father, this morning, Lord, I pray by your spirit right now. Lord, that you would speak to each and every one of our hearts. Father, we can look around us in our world. This election uh, season is upon us and we can see all the things of the enemy. All the territory that the enemy is advancing upon. Father, we can see the evidence of a lack of risk being taken by the body of Christ. And Lord, we pray this morning, Father, help us to examine our heart. Have I allowed myself to be closed off and shrouded in fear, just holding on to the dear mina of life that the Lord has given me? Instead of engaging and taking the risk of business, the risk of losing it all, the risk of abuse and waste and abandonment and rejection and ridicule. Father, have I been playing it safe, hiding, so that on that day I can just give you back yours, wrapped in the shroud of my fears, or am I willing to risk it all? Shake us this morning, Father. Stir us in a mighty new way. God, open our eyes. Holy Spirit. 
come into the place where we are. Jesus, invade our lives as you did that upper room. You walked through the doors, and in the midst of their fear, you said, peace be unto you. And then you breathed on them, and you said, the same way the Father is sending me, now I am sending you. Lord, let us hear your voice compelling us, commissioning us, and sending us to risk it all for your glory. Father, we say yes to you. We'll risk it through connection because we want to be aware. And God, we want our resources to be used for more than ourselves. We want our life to be an encouragement to those we come in contact. So Father, lead us, guide us, and direct us. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Come on, somebody give the